0: Tiki Hut Media. Hey there, welcome into Soul Ramblings podcast. I'm Jerry Wicker, your host, and we're back after a couple of months off. And hope you had a great summer. And as we are in September now and getting into the fall, gonna have a we're gonna do a six part series here. God is fill in the blank. God is blank. What word did you think of immediately? Even though we may have had an immediate answer, how can any of us really know what God is like? So often we view him from our limited perspective, but it doesn't have to be that way. Together we're going to discover how to fill that space with truth beginning today as we began a new series, a six-part series called God is blank. What do you fill in the blank with? Maybe you know God as your loving father. Maybe you've experienced God as your healer or provider. Or maybe you think of God as distant, angry, or judgmental. No matter how you answered it, your view of God carries incredible weight in your life. In fact, renowned pastor and author A. W. Tozer wrote, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Our view of God influences the way we look at ourselves, others, and the world around us. That's why it's incredibly important to build our foundation of who God is based on the unchanging truth of His Word, not the temporary state of our feelings. Maybe you've experienced grief, loss, or disappointment that left you feeling angry or hurt by God. Maybe you've met other Christians who've made you feel judged or condemned. So, you think God is the same way. Maybe you've tried to pray or connect with God, but you feel nothing. So, you think he's distant, cold, or uncaring. Those experiences and emotions are valid, but they are not accurate representations of God's character. In fact, distorting our view of God has been one of the enemy's tactics since the very beginning. In the perfect Garden of Eden, for example, God walked with Adam and Eve, giving them just one limit, don't eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge. But here comes the enemy swooping in, asking Eve whether God really said she couldn't do that, and then convincing her that God was withholding something she actually needed. As a result, she ate the fruit, and sin entered the world severing our relationship with God. Yet through all of this, God's character never changed. He lovingly provided coverings for Adam and Eve, which foreshadowed his greatest act of sacrificial love, sending his perfect son, Jesus, to live a sinless life and die in our place to restore our relationship with him. Sometimes it's tempting to think that the God of the Old Testament is just judgmental and that it's Only in the New Testament that we see mercy through Jesus. But in truth, God has always been in the business of pursuing sinful people with his kindness before we ever pursued him. He's always been faithful to fulfill his promises. And he's always been both just and merciful, holy and loving, sovereign and unchanging. The character of God is too deep, rich, and great to describe completely but we see clues to it throughout the entire Bible. And we're gonna start today by looking at God is hope when you're hurting. Scripture reading for the morning is from the Old Testament book of Lamentations, chapter three. We start our reading with verse 17, let us hear these holy words. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, gone is my glory and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of these, our hearts, be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. I want to talk to you. We're beginning a new series today, and I want to start out by talking to you, especially those who may be hurting in some form or fashion this morning. Maybe you're a a little afraid. Maybe you feel alone. You might be exhausted, worn out, Feel like you're losing hope. And if so, if you're not there now, you've probably been that way at some point in your life. Jeremiah the prophet is a guy you can look to. He's the author of Lamentations, the book we read from. Jeremiah, he's known as the weeping prophet. He went through a lot of stuff. And he can empathize and sympathize with what you've either gone through or are going through right now. Basically, what he's saying in this passage that we read is, you know, tell me to love my neighbor as myself, but God, people stink. I I just can't do it. I can't do it. These people, they're rebellious. Life isn't fair. My body is wrecked. I can't sleep. I'm broke. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. I'm overwhelmed. I've got anxiety. And God, you just don't seem to care. That's Jeremiah's lament. That's what he is lamenting about. And then Jeremiah, at the end of this passage, calls to mind one of the most beautiful, powerful attributes of God that we're going to look at this week. He says... The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That'd make a good title for a hymn. We might hear that a little later. Today, we begin a new series called God Is... And each week, we're going to look at a different attribute of God's character. Today, with this reading from Lamentations, we're looking at God is hope when you're hurting. Hope when you're hurting. Jeremiah says, his mercies are new every morning. The mercy of God. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. And God, here's good news for us, is a merciful God. He doesn't give us what we deserve. And because of His mercy, we have hope. But then the question becomes is there really any hope? I mean, that's a question many of us face at some point in our lives. It seems hopeless. Is there any hope? Is there any hope for the for the person who's fallen victim to alcohol, drugs, gambling, any number of addictions? The person who's in so deep that he or she fears there's no, no possible way out. My situation is hopeless. Is there any hope for them? Where's the hope for the single mom who works full time by day and then has to fulfill the role of mom and dad at night and wonders to herself, how long can I keep this up? Is there any hope? I feel so hopeless. What about the person who battles with depression and anxiety? What about the person who stands by their spouse's bedside as they watch them slowly die? Is there any hope? Where is hope? What is the source of hope? What reason is there to hope? That dominant theme is found in Jeremiah's lament, in his lamentations. But in the midst of that, he finds hope. And it is a radical hope. This is not a hope like we use the word hope. The biblical hope, the Christian hope, is not what we say to one another. And I hope you have a good day today. I, my, my sister-in-law has been with us this past week, and she flew out this morning. One of the things I said to her last night before she went to bed was, I hope you have a good flight tomorrow. But that is not... Biblical Christian hope. We're not talking about some wistful, nebulous kind of optimism, hoping everything will turn out okay. That's what the world passes off as hope. No, we're talking about Christian hope. Christian hope is a hope that doesn't rest on us, but on God and God alone. This hope rests on the living God, And he's known by his loving deeds. The God who raised Christ from the dead and gave him glory so that our faith and hope can be in him. Christ is the only one who offers us this hope and it's incorruptible and undefiled. It'll never fade away. We will never be hopeless with hope in Christ. The apostle Peter knew this very well. As a matter of fact, he says to us in first Peter chapter one, starting with verse three, he says, blessed be or praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What a marvelous a new gift of hope to those first Christians that Peter was talking about. He says, in his great mercy, God has given this living and radical hope in Jesus Christ, the resurrection, and all that it meant to human life, all that it meant to history up until that time when Christ rose again. It turned out this was no myth, This was no, I hope he's not really dead. I hope he rises again. No, it was no fable. It was no dreamy possibility. It was a free act of the merciful God who did something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. In his mercy, we don't get what we do deserve. We deserve what Christ did for us. God's mercy. God's mercy. We don't have to go through that because Christ paid the price for us. We have hope, a living hope, a real hope that we can grab a hold of. And no amount of human energy, no amount of human money can pay for it. The gift of this living hope is appreciated so greatly by those who know, uh, they know very well what it's like to live in despair and bondage. The resurrection is indeed history's greatest miracle. By Christ's resurrection, God has lit this inextinguishable hope, this fiery hope within us, So much so that we have new birth, Paul says. We have new birth, we have new life. The old has passed away, the new has come. Without the resurrection, there would be no church because Christianity is a resurrection religion. Every Sunday should be a little Easter. We should be celebrating the resurrection every single Sunday, if not every day. The hope produced by the resurrection is a living and active reality. This is not some pie in the sky, I hope he really is alive type thing. He really lives. He really lives. And this life of hope finds its anchor in the one who is alive right now. It is not a product of our human wishes, and it's not contingent upon the passing, perishing thoughts of this world. I'm not talking about a hope that clings to a faded dream, a dead hope. I'm talking about a living hope. Living hope, which is grounded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow, the hymn says. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. He lives. He lives. We have hope. Whatever you're going through, we have hope. You are not hopeless. Our future is not in the hands of fate or destiny or I sure hope everything turns out okay. No, it's in the hands of God. Now, it's easy for us. I've been there. It's easy for us to become depressed about what's going on in our lives get disappointed about the way we fall into temptation again and again and again. But God is is full of grace and full of mercy. We may get dejected about the illness or the sickness we suffer, the business failure we have, family problems we face. I heard somebody say one time, my family put the fun in dysfunction." All kinds of family problems. These and other troubles cause a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And if we let them, they will bring us down into a feeling of hopelessness, into a pit. But the Christian always lives in hope and confidence, trusting God is our future. And it's firm and secure. None of us knows what life on this earth holds for us. It's temporary. It's fleeting. But we know what is eternal life and what that holds for us. In that we have hope. We have a confident knowledge that God loves us, God cares for us, and God is constantly with us. I'll never leave you nor forsake you, he said. We have a living hope because we have a living Savior raised to life from the grave. He's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He's been through everything we've been through. He's experienced the pain we've experienced. He's experienced rejection. He's experienced mocking. He's experienced death of friends and loved ones. He's experienced all that. He's experienced temptation. It's true. We may never know complete freedom from the problems of this life that we have as long as we're here. Each of us has a struggle, one kind or another. We all do. And we may end up dealing with that till the day we die. There will always be something that will remind us that we are really a fallen people and in a fallen world. And Jeremiah was no stranger to these trials. He went through a lot of them. And he wrote about them in Lamentations. Then again, neither was Peter. You remember Peter, who during the trial of Jesus denied three times that he even knew him. The same Peter who during the crucifixion of Christ ran and hid for fear that he was going to be next. The same Peter who had given up everything to follow Jesus only to find his whole world crumbling when he saw the body of Jesus being removed from the cross, sealed in a tomb. Peter was crushed. He was truly a man without hope. He was a man who was beaten, defeated. He was humiliated. If you could choose one person, any person on the face of the earth, most likely to fail, and most likely to self-destruct, Peter's your guy. But six weeks later, in the book of Acts, that very same Peter stands in the center of Jerusalem and preaches this short, pitiful sermon to thousands of people. And the point of his sermon was simple. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Over the next few years, Peter travels the world preaching the gospel. Several times he's beaten. He's imprisoned. Eventually, the Roman government gives him this ultimatum. They're tired of dealing with this pesky Peter. They give him an ultimatum. Stop preaching about this resurrected Jesus or you're going to find yourself in the same position as he is. Crucified, dead, and buried. Peter makes his choice. He keeps on preaching. Where did this once defeated, humiliated, hopeless man get the courage to live that kind of life. There is only one answer. Peter didn't hope that Jesus was alive. I sure hope he's alive. You don't take that kind of risk. You don't take the risk that Peter took on, oh, I hope he's alive. No, he didn't wish or imagine that Jesus was alive. He knew it for a fact. Peter got his courage because he saw and experienced and knew that Christ actually did rise from the dead. Therefore, Peter was able to have radical hope. Now, I have seen some people, my my grandmother was one of them. Maybe you've experienced this too. She seemed to always understand that the resurrection was her source of hope. She could tell me why it was the source of her hope. No matter how bad things get, she would say, Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still alive. She could tell me what God says and what she and me needed to do. She prayed about her trials and her sufferings. She released those trials and sufferings to God. That's conscious hope. That is hope, Christian hope, true hope. That's what puts a smile on your face and a song in your heart. Our situations may not change around us, but our hope can. Because real hope, radical hope, Christian hope, resurrection hope is not about changing what's going on around us personally. It's about allowing God to change what's going on inside us. Do we have this hope? These early Christians that Peter was talking to, they were characterized by their their spirit of triumph. They were hope-filled in hopeless situations. Is that how we should be characterized? I believe so. Their worship and their work were done in the spirit of joy and anticipation, no matter what was going on. They were already raised with Christ, as the old saints used to say, and enjoying a life of hope. Are we? Their new look, their new attitude, their new life confused the pagan world, so much so that the pagans... Ask them, what is the secret to this hope you have? Do others know the secret of your new life? If they don't, they should. You see, this acceptance of suffering, no matter matter what's going on, no matter how bad things are, I still have hope. That's a foreign concept to to the world at this time in this time as well, in our current day as well. It's strange thinking. How can you be so hope-filled when this terrible tragedy is going on? I'm sad. I'm sad about what's happening. But I have hope. I have hope. We keep going. Nothing should daunt us The center of gravity in the New Testament church's life and our life should be a triumphant living person. And his name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What is the center of our gravity? As Christians, we are heirs. We are given an inheritance from God. We are God's adopted children. We are heirs of salvation, heirs of the kingdom, and heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And we can know we are children of God through faith in Christ while still on this earth and proclaim with the prophet Isaiah, No eye has seen, no ear heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. For Christians, what will come is much more important, much more significant, and much more wondrous than what we have already experienced or are currently experiencing. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Through God's mercy and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can say with the prophet Jeremiah, but this I call to mind. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in Him. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Good and gracious God. Thank you for your mercy that's new every morning. Thank you for giving us hope because of who you are, because of what you've done. We give you our whole life. All of it. Every bit of it, God. You are first. We will follow you every day of our life. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, that's part one of our six-part series on God is, and then fill in the blank. As you think about God, consider how you're forming your view of him. It's based on the truth of his word, or is it based on the pain of your past experiences? Whatever it is, how are you viewing? How are you forming your view of God? And God is hope when you're hurting. Next week, we look at God is living without worry. And in the upcoming weeks, we're going to examine more attributes about God from Scripture. And as we discover them we'll ask God to reveal more of himself to us. No matter what your experiences with God, what Christians or church have been, know this, the God of the universe created you, loves you, and is actively pursuing you. Be sure to join us next week for part two, God is Living Without Worry. I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today. I really, really do appreciate it. And before I head out the door for this week, here's a last piece of advice for you from Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Be sure to click subscribe wherever you're listening today. That way you never miss a new episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast. We'll see you next week. I'm Jerry Wicker. Until then, grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production.